Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast. Really appreciate you tuning in again. Today, I have a very special guest for you. His name is Neil Gomes. He's the Chief Digital Officer and Senior Vice President for Technology Innovation and Consumer Experience at the Thomas Jefferson University and Jefferson Health System. Neil has worked with Fortune 500 companies like Tata Group of companies where he played a leadership role in building the entrepreneurial startup Tata Interactive Systems from 60 employees to the world's largest custom e-learning development firm with 650 employees in less than two years. At Jefferson Health, Neil drives digital innovation in healthcare, consumer experience, and engagement training and education via teams of application and web developers, portal consumer experience specialists, instructional designers, e-learning developers, and IT support specialists. As you can see, the level of technical expertise and the groups that Neil works with are, are really pivotal to making any types of digital impactful changes within a system. They're key. So he's working with those as well as helping define the innovation strategy and design innovation development programs via Jefferson's innovation team. Recently, he helped secure a $15 million donor grant from the Bernie Marcus Foundation to develop a high-tech, consumer-centric, integrative health center at Jefferson. This translates into better outcomes for patients, better work experience for clinicians, and I'm excited to dive into some of these things and experiences that Neil has uh, has had. I had the pleasure of meeting him at the TEDMED meeting and uh, super excited that you had an opportunity to join us, Neil. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, so, so did I, did I skip anything in, in the <laughs> intro that maybe you want the listeners to know about? Yeah, a few things. Um, I mean, I... The pattern that I've had in my career has been uh, more of starting companies inside of companies. When I worked with the Tata Group, which is a Fortune 500 company, about $108 billion in revenue per year. The Tata Interactive Systems Group was a company inside a company there. And um, at the University of South Florida, when I worked there, uh, we did another digital learning kind of group there that created similar revenues just for the institution. And that was also started as a almost a startup company inside a large organization. And what we're doing at Jefferson is very similar to, we prescribe to some of the methodologies that Clayton Christensen talks about, about bringing about disruptive innovation into an organization. And in, of course, a very positive way so that we can transform the organization into one that is continuously evolving, innovating, and uh, bringing about consumer-focused innovations and new business ideas and new uh, interaction kind of ideas with consumers, and then executing on them. So that's, that explains, I think, in, in a nutshell, what, what I like to do and uh, what I've done at my previous organizations. I was also recently promoted to executive vice president, so that's a slight change in my title there. But other than that, we've done everything. Thank you. That's awesome. Congratulations. And, and so, Neil, you've obviously done this successfully. It's hard to do, right, to innovate within a larger organization is not always the easiest things to do. So I'd love to dive into a little bit of that experience during our discussion, but maybe we could start off by talking to the listeners about what you believe 
needs to be a top line agenda item for today's healthcare leader? Oh, yes. Well, I think personally, just using, uh, having a consumer focus, you know, and not just in words, you know, in actual practice, having a consumer focus, which is hard because you have to really shed all of the other business focused kind of ideas you might have where it's all about the business. It really is difficult to just let go of that. But if you look at other industries other than healthcare, right, and you look at the entertainment industry, the car industry, the retail, and all these other industries that have transformed banking, for example, that have transformed in the last 10 or so years, not just with technology, but most people think that, okay, they went through a digital transformation and, you know, and developed new technologies that enabled them to grow, enabled them to diversify their business and even access new customers. But it's not just technology. Technology plays a role in that. Digital has played a role in that. But the ones that have really succeeded are the ones that focused on the consumer, almost yes. divested themselves of their traditional business models, right? And said, no, we're going to start with a business model from the point of view of the consumer. There's certain risk associated with that. But as we've seen with other industries, those that have done that have really prospered. Like, for example, Netflix in the entertainment industry, Amazon yeah. in retail industry, Tesla in the automotive industry, right? In banking, if you look at Capital One, you know, they're a digital mm -hmm. first organization as they call themselves, but really who they are, what they are is a consumer first organization. In the food industry, if you look at Domino's, you know, and how they've become in the last eight years, nine years now into this very, very successful organization, the sixth largest restaurant chain in the world, and they were nowhere about uh, eight, nine years ago. It's not just because they've done great things on the digital service side, but it's primarily because they've focused on the consumer almost religiously and then anticipated what they needed, heard what they wanted, anticipated what they needed, and then delivered to that. And sometimes technology was involved in that delivery. But I think that is time importance to anyone, especially in healthcare, because even if we don't want to change as provider organizations or payer organizations, all these other organizations that have done it in other industries are going to bring that change to us. And mm -hmm. if we don't evolve, they will evolve for us. And we might <laughs> lose, we might lose what we have right now, which is very important to patient care. Neil, what an insightful uh, set of ideas you've shared with us. And, you know, I can't help but think the other day I was driving down the road and I look to my left and it's Sears and they're closed. And then I look to my right, it's Toys R Us, they're closed. And the blockbusters, like you mentioned, the Netflix, you know, it's definitely happening. Hearing consumers anticipating their needs is a must. So how can we translate this idea of consumer first into a set of actions, maybe one or two actions that the leaders could uh, listening could take and we'll and maybe you can answer that question within the frame of sharing something that you guys have done to create results there at Jefferson. There are a whole bunch of things that we need to do and, and a lot of leaders know this, but unless you completely buy into this, you know, and embrace this uh, concept of consumer focused innovation, you're not really going to achieve what you want to achieve. Because the moment you hit a, the first hurdle and trust me, there'll be a lot of hurdles in that process you will balk and uh, you will give up and then you're back to where you were. So I think it's very important to have that resolve and have that belief before you go into doing something because it can be extremely discouraging to the people that need to execute 
if uh, leaders back off, you know, from something yes. that really needs to happen. So simple things, you know, I, a lot of people ask me this question, what do you do in healthcare that's different from other industries? And I say, really, there isn't anything that we need to do that's different. Examples exist already of how other industries have transformed, both from the consumer focused perspective, as well as from the digital perspective. Banking is a beautiful example of that and a great parallel with healthcare. Why? Because it was very a brick and mortar centric kind of, you know, and now it was always seen that way. No consumer had really started to ask that they wanted to go or tell this industry that they wanted to go digital. There were some people that uh, some of these organizations, banking organizations that realized that early on and capitalized on it. And now everyone is doing it, right? Mm -hmm. We rarely ever walk into a bank nowadays to do a transaction. In fact, they kind of penalize us if we did that by charging us beyond a certain number of such visits, right? So so I think we, we need to think about that in healthcare. So what are the things? The things are very simple sometimes, you know, uh, we need to start posting our information in very transparent ways online. If it's with our providers, we need to make available reviews. We need to grab our profiles from, from other systems like Google and Yelp and all of that and take charge of that. We need to then, as the person's able now to evaluate whether they want to come to your system or not, and it's better that you tell the story than someone else tells your story, right? Amen. So we need, yeah, we need to do that. And then we need to enable them to continue within that space because that's what they're telling us they want to do, right? Mm-hmm. Even 85-year-olds now are going and doing online appointments, for example. Yeah. Many people think that, oh, no, they won't do that. No, they do. They want that. And we have to enable that. We cannot keep saying that, oh, well, you know, for certain types of things, we cannot give an online appointment. We need you to fill out a huge form or something like that. That should not be the response. We have to try and figure out why we need. We need to ask that question, really, why do we need that? And if we dig deeper, are we going to find scenarios when we don't, you know, and can we then expose those to our patients and say, here, here you go, this, this type of appointment, here's what you do, and here's how you get an appointment immediately digitally online. And we've done some of that here at Jefferson, and we've seen tremendous success for that. Then uh, once you, it's really this 360 kind of journey that you have to reimagine for the patient, and many of them are not asking for this. And that's why I think healthcare is a little bit behind, is that the patient has not traditionally pushed for this type of thing, and there are many reasons for that when we ask our patients. You know, they tell us, well, you know, this is my life, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, we're not talking about money in a bank or something like that. This is me, right? And so right. if I have to wait for a physician or I have to wait for an appointment or if I have to wait on the phone to even get the appointment, I'm okay with that because the reward at the end of that is tremendous, right? The incentive right. at the end of that is tremendous. So because of that and because of relationships that you might have with your physician and all of that and that trust mechanism that we have and, and, and which is very important to healthcare, many people are willing to take the discomfort that comes with older kind of systems, older processes for addressing things that they don't experience anywhere else. If somebody had to wait that long for something to be delivered via Amazon, you know, they would start complaining after day two, right? <laughs> But in healthcare, we sometimes tell them, hey, you'll get an appointment in three months from now. So that has to stop. That's one, which is simple, I think, uh, if we really put our minds to it. Then we have to look at the journey once, not even of once the patient gets in, but even when they 
are getting to us? You know, can we simplify that? Can we help them with getting to us? Are there some people that miss appointments because of transportation and those types of issues? We have to solve that. And then uh, finally, when they do get to us, we have to make that a more pleasant experience. And we really have to think experience, not solving a problem only. Right, because I think healthcare has been very good at solving the problems. I mean, we have great healthcare here in the US in terms of addressing a condition or an issue. We have great research that contributes to new cures and treatments and all of that. But what we don't have is a great experience once you mm-hmm. get to us and are going through this journey. So that needs to improve. And then finally, when you leave most other industries, you look at companies like Apple or companies even like Amazon, right, to bring them up again. But if you look at Apple, they take control of the entire experience for you, Mm -hmm. right? They want you, if you have a problem, to call them and they're there immediately or walk into any mall that's close by to you and get into their genius bar and, and solve your problem, right? So they want to make that whole process easy after you've become their client even. And I think that's something that we forget. And we don't do so well in healthcare. And I think if we take that global kind of 360 view of the experience, the consumer experience, then we stay close to the consumer, keep getting feedback from them, finding out where we are failing, then we'll really start changing this, uh, this entire industry. Some very insightful uh, uh, tips there, Neil, and definitely uh, thinking through some of the expectations, the the trust relationship and sort of reasons why it hasn't changed. I think with the shift in health insurance and deductibles going up, I feel like the time is coming where, yeah, some deductibles are so high, patients have to start thinking and demanding more because they're, it's actually coming out of their own pocket versus in the previous years, it's, it wasn't. Right. So that is bringing about some consumer kind of driven change because now there is an incentive, right? There's an incentive yes. to the consumer to the point where I've even heard of health systems talking about how patients sometimes, even though they might have some of these high deductible plans, don't even tell the healthcare organization that they have a plan because if it's a cost that's lower than that deductible, they feel like they have a better chance of negotiating with the healthcare organization if they didn't say they had insurance. You yep. Know? Uh, yep. So, so you can understand the pain to the consumer, right? Because this is absolutely a lot of money. And we have to figure out ways to address that, to turn that equation kind of around where we're helping out patients through that kind of scenario, you know, mm-hmm. so that they, uh, they come up top along with us. To get to your point, the point you're trying to make from that is that that is resulting in a kind of consumer-led change requirement. I think that is true to some extent, but it's still not, it's not going to solve it all, you know, yeah. for us. Uh, I, I don't, yeah, there are still a lot of plans that are through employers and and on all of that, and they may not have very high deductibles. So we may not see that kind of revolution we want, may want uh, may <laughs> see in a, in a retail kind of scenario or something. No, but, I, but, I think and I don't point. think we should wait for that because I believe firmly that the healthcare organizations that the healthcare organizations that make the first move or the few healthcare organizations that make that first move would benefit tremendously economically as well as in, in the point of in, uh, in terms of image, in terms of goodwill, in terms mm-hmm. of branding, they'll they'll benefit tremendously, I believe, if they sincerely make that uh, make that change. 
Yeah, I think it's a, and the key is sincerely, and uh, making sure that they are committed to it in the in the long term. So you you guys have tried a lot of things, Neil, and nothing in the business of healthcare and digital healthcare, uh, let alone goes without a setback. Can you share with us a setback that you had and a major learning or insight that you gained from it? Sure. I mean, we've had uh, a few setbacks, and uh, you know, it's important to have some of that. You know, you learn from failure. The only issue in healthcare is that you certainly don't want the failures to affect uh, patient care. Yes. Uh, so you've got to devise processes in even when you're taking in innovation ideas, not just your own, but even from other places when you're evaluating companies and vendors and all of that, our partners, as we like to prefer to call folks that we work with. You have to have the right mechanisms to make sure that if there's a chance of failure, that you fail early before it hits a consumer or a patient. So yeah, so we have a process where we test people we work with. And it's very, very important that you work with people. You know, a lot of this stuff cannot be done on your own. It's too big a problem to just try and solve on your own. So you need Mm -hmm. partners, you need expertise partners, you need technology partners to help you through this process. And you need a way of evaluating them. And you need low risk projects sometimes right at the outset to make sure that you're picking the right folks and they're as uh, committed to the problem and solving it as you are. So those are where some of our failures lie, you know, Mm -hmm. in that sometimes you've not been so good at evaluating who we work with. And it's sometimes it's hard to do that because there's enthusiasm at the beginning. And then as organizations get or teams or groups get distracted by other work, many times those priorities change. And so, uh, you know, you have to kind of work your way through that. And that can cause things to take longer to finish. It can cause uh, you know, people to get discouraged by that. And we've had that with some partners that we work with sometimes that are large companies many times. And, you know, initially when they start to work with you, they say, oh, well, we're going to achieve this. And here's our roadmap for getting, let's say, compliance in certain areas and things like that. And that's the one failure, such I would say, that we've had with one or two of these companies on early projects in that we've gone in with uh, the understanding that something's going to work one way and they have a roadmap towards, towards achieving some of the deficiencies that might be in there. And then they didn't stick to that roadmap. And so it delayed the launch of solutions and things like that. Other than that, some companies, some partners, uh, they might fold because, you know, this is a brand new space, right? And uh, you may start developing something with someone. That too, and, yeah. Yeah, and that mm-hmm. company may not find a good business model for themselves to continue into the future. And that idea could go away. And that's part of the pain of developing or transforming an industry, right? I mean, I'm yeah. sure the Netflixes of the world had those similar kinds of things. You've seen it with, for example, MoviePass. MoviePass came out recently and thought that, okay, for $9 a month, we'd be able to create a good financial model behind people uh, filling out those empty seats that might be there in the theater, right? And making some money out of it. And that didn't work out the way that they constructed that financial model initially. So uh, who knows, they might evolve and be back. But these types of of failures are to be expected. Uh, You just have to find ways to reduce or take away any risk to your patients when it comes down to implementing them. And that's what we've done, I think, successfully. 
That's great. And that's a, that's a good measure of success, you know, making sure patient care doesn't get affected. And yeah, inevitably these partnerships, we have to develop processes, systems, and, and gut checks to shield our organizations from just things not working out. But hey, the reality is they're not going to work out sometimes. And it's great to hear that you and your team have some great things in place to avoid uh, anything bad from happening. How about the other side of, of this coin, Neil? Tell us about one of the proudest leadership experiences you've, you've had here in healthcare. Oh, yeah, sure. There's a bunch of them. It's like trying to choose between your kids, you know, as to who's your favorite. But, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, but I, can, I can pick a few. So one, one that's very near and dear to me, and I, I really like it a lot, is uh, in the patient experience kind of space. And uh, mm-hmm. a few years ago, we were asked by our center city hospitals and their leadership they made a commitment towards the consumer-focused experience, right? And, and developing a changing based on consumers' feedback. Now, in most health systems, what happens is you get con- patient feedback, especially in hospitals, only after the patient is discharged. You mm-hmm. use a company like Prescani or, or others to, um, uh, to collect this data for you. And uh, they do so usually with a three-week kind of latency after the patient's been discharged. And then you get this information from those that do respond, because not everybody does respond. And we instituted digital mechanisms for reaching out to people and all of that. We did that. That helped with some response rate. But it's still the feedback that you get. One is highly delayed, right? What is a patient going to remember three weeks later, right? Two, it doesn't have any context. So if a patient says, oh, the room was dirty, what are you going to tell the people that clean the room? The room was dirty right? So they don't know what exactly they need to solve. There's no tangible evidence of that. There's what did the patient really mean? Did they mean it was not as clean as my home? Were the towels out of place? Was something dirty on the floor? Did somebody drop something? Was the restroom? You You don't get that context. Then also what you don't get is you don't get to satisfy that patient anymore, right? Because they've left. Right. So you can't make them happy. You know, and that's for a lot of people in healthcare who, who get into this field, which is highly intensive in terms of your career and developing it and all of that. They get into this field because they're dedicated to seeing people happy and healing mm-hmm. people, right? Mm-hmm. And then they don't have that satisfaction at the end of this loop. So we thought, well, how about we make that loop smaller? And leadership was really bought into that. Was, that was very important. And they committed to going out every week, uh, the leadership within the hospital organization, and now it's spread to all of our hospitals. So they mm-hmm. all use this process of the application we created that enables it. And we created an iPad app that they use. They go out in pairs. They do this every week to, for two hours, two and a half hours or so. And they go and meet with patients and employees in pairs. Uh, one person is putting the data in on the iPad. The other person's sitting with the patient and talking to them. And if the patient says something positive about an employee, then they go and meet with the employee. And uh, that's how we give honors to certain employees. So there's a great incentive for the people that come to do this data collection and talking to patients, because many times they're trying to bring recognition for people that work with them. Yes. So this helps them create that mechanism for it. And the app is such that as they're going around, even getting to the patient, they can take pictures in the app, they can triage issues directly to our facilities folks, to our cleaning folks, to our food folks, to the nursing staff. They can do that right away. And we expect usually any issue to be resolved within 48 hours. But Mm -hmm. many times 
some of these services are contracted out, you know, like Aramark might do the food service or the cleaning and all of that. They respond in like an hour many times, you know, because now for them, this is tangible stuff, right? They can, instead of going at the end of a month to a meeting where you're kind of complaining about their services and showing them all the negative comments from patients, now they can say, they can turn the tables a little and say, look, you alerted us of 150 issues this month, let's say, right? And we solved X number of them in so-and-so time and we met with the patient and they loved it, you know? And so now the patient is seeing change happen the moment they tell you about it. And sometimes even when they don't tell you about it, it's just you notice the pillow was torn. So you took a picture and you send it down to the folks in facilities or, or the uh, EOC folks and they come in and they change the pillow, right? And the patient never yep. even realized that you said that. So the responses we're getting from patients for the delayed survey that happens three weeks later are tremendous. We move uh, some of our hospitals in Santa City from about two stars you know, in their ratings <laughs> and wow. more. That's huge. Yeah. And that's huge, not just from a consumer experience standpoint, which is fantastic, but also from the reimbursement standpoint, you know, when you do, when you move up that way for CMS. So that's a big win, I feel. And it's near and dear to me because it ties into the experience that I was talking about earlier, that now we're getting data from people that tell us really how we need to improve. I think it's wonderful and and what a great way to conduct it. Live feedback, involve the appropriate stakeholders and talk about consumer first, you know, they're being heard and and the staff's being heard. And and now even like the pillow example, their needs being anticipated, you guys are doing just that. So kudos to you, Neil, for your leadership there and your team for having been able to put something like this together together. But not only that, executing and and deploying it, because I feel like oftentimes most of the challenges come in the deployment of those of those uh, solutions. Yeah. True. True. So tell us about an exciting project or focus you're working on today. Oh yes, so there there are a couple of those, but I'll I'll try and focus on one. Okay. Um, and just to round off the previous one, also the the folks that uh, it's not just my teams, it's also the leadership. You know, leadership is very important, and their buy-in is very important. And the good thing is that in healthcare, most of people got into healthcare because they wanted to serve, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we're trying to change the consumer experience or the patient experience, if you tell the story in a way that shows these folks that here's how how we're going to improve the experience for a consumer or the care of a consumer or a patient to them, whatever else might stand in the way, it might be effort, it might be budget and those types of things. As long as you can make a good business case and you can make a good vision statement and you can make a good empathic kind of connection with mm-hmm. people, it gets done, but it does yeah. take a, some effort, you know, and, and you have to tell the story really well. But leadership was very important. And they really rallied together to do this. I mean, we could make the app, we could do all of that, right? But if they didn't come in every week and they didn't do this with that passion, it wouldn't happen. So that's, that's really important. And our CEO supports us. He supports us really well. Steve Glasgow, he's a great visionary uh, in this space of consumer experience as well as digital. And so do the other leaders within our organization. So that's how that became possible. It's a really great call out, Neil. Thank you. But uh, to talk about an exciting project of focus, I think in healthcare, there are two things and they tie in together really well. And I'm sure a lot of other people have spoken to you about this. Maybe three, if you connect them all together. One is machine learning and AI. I think that has tremendous prospects in healthcare to change how we deliver healthcare and not in ways that should be scary to anyone, 
because that's not the goal of most companies getting into healthcare with AI. They are trying to augment decision-making, not trying to replace physicians or things like that. I don't think anyone should be concerned about that. They're trying to improve the experience of patients, make things move faster. So that's a very important space, you know, a very important technological kind of uh, development that we have to follow and embrace. The other mm. is Internet of Things. Not many people think about this in healthcare, but a lot of our healthcare institutions, including our labs and our buildings and all of that, are really well resourced in terms of IoT. We don't know this, but uh, you know, even we thought that we would be naive and you know, we've not been doing a lot of this work already. But building automation systems exist. Most hospitals already have them. Uh, their facilities folks manage that. They do it really well. You can tie into these building automation systems using their platforms. They're large companies that have, we've inherited these platforms from other industries that have really leveraged them on the IoT side tremendously over the last 10, 15 years. So we've got these technologies that we're not even using, efficiency management in hospitals, because in order to do a lot of this consumer-focused stuff, IoT may not directly enable you to do that, uh, although that is starting to happen now. But IoT will enable you to find the money to do that because you can, using IoT technologies, effectively, mm. you can bring in efficiency, you can reduce costs, you can do all of these things that then give you funds that you can apply towards an innovation, towards innovation projects that are focused more on the consumer. That may not bring in that much revenue to you sometimes, but have to be done in order to make other things happen and make the experience better. So... IoT is important, and now we're seeing IoT become even more important, even from the consumer side, you know, with all of these devices that are getting into people's homes, that can help with their care, that can help mm -hmm. with adherence to medication, that can help with getting feedback from them, from patients, and keeping them engaged in their own care. You know, it's tremendous, the Alexas and the Google Homes and all these things, security systems and all of that, yeah. even now playing a part in, in this mashup kind of, the, of consumer experience that we can create. And then finally, the last thing which most organizations also haven't realized is, is a tremendous area for innovation, tremendous area for experience, and not just for patients, but also for the staff themselves, and that is voice. If you watch Star Trek years and years ago, they envisioned this future really uh -huh. early on, right, in the 60s when they had people talking to machines and doing it almost like the machine was a person in the room yeah. or the elevator when they were walking up and uh, transmitting a log of the day, the captain's log or whatever, right? So Pretty amazing uh, foresight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and we've still not gotten there, but now we've made some quantum leaps in that space, you know, with NLP becoming amazingly accurate. And some health systems are doing this, some, some EHR systems are doing this really well. Uh, Nuance and, and M-Modal and all these uh, vendors are developing amazing technologies that enable this. But we've got to start applying them to non-traditional spaces inside of uh, healthcare, you know, creating uh, consumer experiences like we just are getting ready to deploy one uh, with our in our hospital rooms where patients can speak to the room. It's really a, a kind of hmm. system that we have in the room which will enable them to change the channels on the TV, increase the volume, turn it on, turn it off, turn a light on, you know, which is very important. I think just to being able to turn a light on via voice may not be so important. But a lot of people fall out of their beds because they can't oh reach gosh, a light yeah. sometimes, you know? Absolutely. Uh, they don't, yeah, so if you can just say to the room, you know, turn the light on, that's a big deal in healthcare. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I agree with you, Neil. And, and, and I love the perspective that you put on this is like, there's a lot of technology and a lot of capability that, that we've inherited that's sitting idle. And if we just get creative and find applications for it, it's amazing what we could create. That's pretty cool yeah. that you guys did that. Again, going back to walking the walk, Neil, you're, you guys are definitely putting the patient first and creating an experience versus just solving a problem. So getting close to, to the end here, Neil, really, really appreciate the discussion. It's been a lot of fun. Let's pretend you and I are building a leadership course on what it takes to be excellent in digital innovation. It's the 101 of Neil Gomes. Yes. So I've got five questions for you, lightning round style, followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Okay, sure. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I mentioned this before. It's the consumer-focused uh, kind of mindset, and then maybe apply some kind of technology transformation or digital transformation on top of that. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Thinking that you can solve all your problems. I think you need partners and other people to solve them, and you need buy-in from a lot of people to execute on. How do you stay relevant despite constant change? Your strategy has to be about constant change. It has to be continuously fluid, and that's how you can stay relevant. You certainly have to be able to decipher at the outset what might or might not work and use your experience within your own industry to, to decipher that. But beyond that point, you have to be able to execute. And that's extremely important because just talking about it is not good enough. You have to be able to execute and to create mechanisms within your organization that enable execution. Powerful. What's one area of focus that drives everything in your organization? Well, for us, it is the patient that really drives what we do and has always been that. That's the good thing about working at Jefferson is that mm -hmm. Jefferson's always been a hospital of the patient. It's just what we've done. And, uh, and most hospitals are that way. But I think that is extremely important. That's what will carry you through and carry your staff through if that mindset. Is Love that. What is your number one success habit? Uh, <laughs> yeah, for me, it's execution. You know, I'm always focused on that when I get into a meeting uh, mm -hmm. We certainly do have pleasantries at the beginning, but we're very focused <laughs> on representing the consumer and then getting stuff done. I think that's what it is. Love it. Neil, what book would you recommend to the listeners on this syllabus? Oh, well, I'm in the process of uh, releasing one of my own books. So oh, at that point, it will become exciting. my favorite book. <laughs> so, so when is it? Is it is it due to be out soon or what's the timeline on it? Yeah, the timeline is this year, but it'll probably be sometime in July. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. So we'll, maybe we'll get you back on when that gets published so that the listeners uh, could get a, access to it. Sure. Great. Thank you. I'll, I'll keep you updated about it. No, that sounds really great. Appreciate that. And so in, in lieu of that, what would you say a uh, book that you would uh, recommend to the listeners is? Oh, well, yeah. So our CEO wrote a book some time ago. It was a few years ago. It's a science fiction book about healthcare. And it's really cool. And it's really? uh, called, you know, We Can Change Healthcare Now. And uh, you can find it on Amazon. It's a great book. That's one book, I would say. And then another, for me, has always been an old book called Beyond the Hype, uh, which is written by Nicole Noria and Bruce Eccles, I think it was. Uh, but it's, it's been some time that I read that in my MBA class years ago. And I think I had good taste at that time because uh, Dr. Noria now is, is the dean of the Harvard Business School. And he had written the book at that time. And it was, it's all about... It's all about, you know, how there is hype in the world around us. And when you're in innovation, you have to be very careful about that. 
and how to make good decisions on that are beyond that hype. Appreciate the fact that you know really what your company and your industry, the nuances of your company and your industry, and then use that information along with what you're hearing in terms of hype. And it has some constructs for how to do that and then pick the right things to do. And that's really important. Those decisions are very important. Some great recommendations. Listeners, if you want access to this full transcript along with the show notes and the syllabus that we created here with Mr. Neil Gomes, just go to outcomesrocket.health. And in the search bar, type in Neil Gomes, that's G-O-M-E-S, or just type in Jefferson. And that show will pop up with all the show notes and everything you want, links to resources we've discussed, including the books that he recommended. This has been a ton of fun, Neil. I'd love if you could just leave us with a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with or follow your work. Yeah, sure. So I'm on Twitter. And uh, so you can find me at uh, at the rate uh, Neil Gomes. That's uh, N-E-I-L-G-O-M-E-S. You can certainly connect with me there too. I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, the same Neil Gomes. and. Um, I always have the same closing thought, and that is focus on the consumer. Very few of us do that, embrace that. And when I say that, it starts with you having conversations with your consumers, be they patients or students or whoever. Even though you might be a leader in the C-suite, you have to find time to do that and then also institute it as a practice within your groups. Wise words. Neil, really appreciate that, listeners. The beauty of podcasts is that you could hit rewind. This is one I'll be hitting rewind on. So please do so. Reach out to Neil with any questions you may have on Twitter and uh, be on the lookout here in the following months for his book. Neil, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.